Welcome to Your Strata Property, the podcast for property owners looking for reliable, accurate, and bite-sized information from an experienced and authoritative source. To access previous episodes and useful strata tips, go to www.yourstrataproperty.com.au. Hello and welcome. I'm Amanda Farmer and I have with me today Rena Van Oust. Hi, Rena. Hi, Amanda. How are you? I'm doing really, really well. I have just recently returned from my overseas jaunt, my European extravaganza, and I'm happy to be home. Oh, that's fabulous. So <laughs> you look very relaxed. So hopefully that Thank will last. Thank <laughs> you. Yes, that's right. We can see each other here over Skype video. It's not just a podcast, it's a video. If you're a, a member of the YSP online community, you actually have access to these videos. You can both watch and listen and see Rena and I. But yes, it's lovely to have a little break and to come back revived and relaxed back to uh, Strata land and ready for the next big thing. So I'm happy to be here. Now, as we do, let's chat about our wins and our challenges. What's been your challenge recently, Rena? Well, the challenge that I've had, um, actually, it's been through indirectly through a lot owner who lives in another scheme who's asked me to assist him. But it relates to something that I think you've mentioned before on your podcast, Amanda, about dealing with criminals who live in your strata scheme mm. and actually usually are renting the apartment in the scheme. It's usually a high-end scheme because people are are usually dealing in drugs and other illicit substances. And mm. so therefore they're able to afford a higher rent. Um, the other thing also is that it's usually in an apartment where there's actually high security. There's usually a concierge or a full-time security so that people can't get to them very quickly if mm. there was an incident. Cause obviously I think people do know who people are in that sort of world. And I was just wondering how perhaps your experience has been in assisting uh, mod owners who have to deal with highly aggressive people who, you know, can be quite intimidating and, and threatening. In this particular case, originally the lot owner um, wrote to the committee and they then um, were aware of the matter and then they approached the lot owner. But of course, lot owner is getting above market rent. So even though this is a prestigious scheme, you know, the, the rent that's being received is even higher than the market value. So the lot yeah. owner is reluctant to do anything about it. So it's a bit of a challenge, I think, now with, you know, drugs and things and you can see the whole Commonwealth Bank money laundering, you know, scandal <laughs> that's, just, that's just visited us recently. So I was just wondering yeah. in terms of your experience um, how best to deal with, with that sort of challenge from yeah. an employer's perspective. Yeah, absolutely. It's something that I have certainly helped schemes with in the past, committees, strata managers struggling to deal with these personalities, let's say. And you're right, I have spoken about it on the podcast before way, way back in episode three. I gave everybody six tips for dealing with criminals in strata properties. So if you haven't heard that one, head over to yourstrataproperty.com.au forward slash podcasts. Scroll down to episode three and have a listen. But basically my experience dealing with, as we say, criminals in strata has been this. I'm generally approached by a strata manager who is dealing with a committee who's just at their wits end. They have somebody in the building, as you say, Rena, it is usually a tenant, and 
and they're engaging in some pretty serious uh, antisocial at the minor end and illegal at the serious end behaviour. And as you say, that's drug dealing, it's property damage, it can be theft, a case I was involved in. Yeah, definitely prostitution. A case I was involved in had uh, the mirrors in their lift smashed consistently, so they'd be replaced and they'd be smashed again, security cameras removed or smashed, damaged. And people being harassed, threatened and intimidated on the property, building managers being harassed, committee members, chair people, uh, strata managers, unfortunately, going to meetings on site often at night in a place where there might not be great light in the parking area, for example, they've got to make their way into the building and being approached by these people and being threatened. And that is when, and they say, look, this is the last straw, Um, we're going to lose our strata manager, we need to do something about this. So the first tip that I always give is, seems an obvious one, but often doesn't happen, involve the police. You Mm. absolutely must involve the police in these situations. But Amanda, can I ask you, sorry to interrupt you, but I mean, sometimes when I've had to deal with the police, um, I just find that they're not very responsive Mm. in terms of taking these types of threats seriously, unless someone's been like, you know, injured. Mm. I know. or assaulted. I don't. I haven't really had much success when I've dealt with the police on other similar types of behavioural issues. You're right, and that is unfortunate, and it has been my experience as well. But where we find that we tend to get some traction with the police is, sadly, after numerous complaints, which means you've got mm. to start somewhere, and where you get third parties involved, such as lawyers, and you have somebody like a lawyer who has put together a brief for the police, and it's a brief of evidence that contains CCTV footage, it contains statements from people who have been affected by this behaviour, and you're basically doing the hard work or the legwork for the police and saying, hey, this is what's been happening in this property. Here's all the evidence that we have gathered. We now want you to do something about it. And that Mm. may mean an apprehended violence order. And I want to be clear that that's something that only an individual A lot owner, for example, can apply for the building. The owner's corporation cannot apply for that. The strata manager in their own right as an individual can apply for that if they've felt harassed, threatened or intimidated. But I'm often asked, can the owner's corporation apply for the AVO? Yeah. No, unfortunately, that doesn't exist. But you're right, Rena. it can be frustrating dealing with the police, but I always say that's not a reason not to do it. You must have that on the record that you've taken that step. The next thing that I remind people, I guess, is don't forget to go through all your usual enforcement procedures, which means if these people are breaching the bylaws, issue a notice to comply, a bylaw breach notice. This is often overlooked because people are feeling intimidated, they're feeling threatened and they think, oh, you know, I I don't want to send them a letter. They'll just rip it up. They won't read it. This kind of thing is not going to work for them. And the fact is that may well be the case. But once again, it's in the same boat as notifying the police. You have to go through that process so that you can get to the next stage. And the next stage is after you issue a bylaw breach notice, you can look to apply financial penalties. So we eventually get to the stage where there's some money on the line. And that's where we, in my experience, start to see some movement. So if a bylaw breach notice is ignored, then you can go to the tribunal and get an order that there be a monetary 
penalty. And that's when you start getting the attention, if not of the tenant, then of the owner of the lot, because that penalty can be applied to them as well. So in your situation, Rena, where you're saying, look, the lot owner just doesn't want to do anything, they're getting good rent. Well, when they start to look at penalties of up to $5,000 for damage to yeah. common property and breaches of bylaws, well, as a landlord, as an investor, then you might start to see a change in that attitude. But you've got to start with that basic enforcement procedure of issuing the notice to comply, issuing letters, uh, bringing the bad behaviour to the attention of not only the resident but of others in the community as well. Otherwise, they don't know that these things are going on and they can't band together with you to assist you and give you that army, if you like, um, to stand up to this person. Yeah. And that leads me into my third tip, which is to publicise the bad behaviour. I firmly believe that publicity is a criminal's worst nightmare. Criminals are bullies and bullies thrive on fear and that's other people's fear. So where people are silent and they're afraid and they won't approach people like lawyers, like their strata manager, like the police, that's when the bully is winning. So publicising the bad behaviour in the minutes of meetings, by issuing these notices, by telling the community, hey, we will stand together against this and do everything that we can, that's a step in the right direction. I think also sometimes there's a reluctance on the part of owners, corporations and committees to actually publicise it through minutes because some people are worried about the adversity it may have upon the values of the apartments and people thinking that this scheme is, you know, inhabited by criminal type elements. So I think sometimes there's a, a dual sort of um, problem there for people where they're conflicted by the need to do something and address the problem and also by the fact that if it's publicised, Amanda, then they're worried about the reputation of their scheme. Yeah, for sure. And look, what I say to that is you can't have it both ways. You can't yeah. have your peaceful community living in harmony without these personalities and ignore the bad behaviour. It's not going to go away. Yeah. Um, yeah. You might have, have nice clean... Too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You might have nice clean books and it looks like everything's fine. But look, that's, there's no way around that in my view. My fourth tip is to increase security. So again, sounds like an obvious step. Get some CCTV in there. A lot of buildings forget to do that or don't do it until it's too late. Get some professional, uh, highly qualified, high-level security guards. And there are companies out there who provide more than just your standard open door, closed door, stand at the boom gate service. There are companies out there that hire ex-police, ex-military. These guys are tough. They know who they're dealing with and they're hired on a short-term basis and they are there to deal with a particular problem or a particular person for a short period of time. And it's all about sending that message that we will not stand for this behaviour and we are going to invest the time, the money to deal with it. The fifth tip that I give is to get help. You don't have to deal with this alone. Talk to your strata manager, get the advice of a lawyer, talk to your neighbours, have a subcommittee put together. There is power in numbers. And linked to that, my final tip is engage your fellow residents. And standing up to a bully is absolutely, I, I know, a scary thing to do, especially when they're a known criminal and they're known to police, but there is safety and there is success in numbers. So that is my my flying visit to my six tips, but please go and check out episode number three for some more detail there. And hopefully, Rena, that helps uh, you and your committee. I'll actually, yeah, pass it on to the lot owner who's um, 
asked me to assist him and, yeah, hopefully we can start the process based on at least bringing it to the attention of the police if it hasn't been already done so and, and using the regular bylaw enforcement procedures. Yeah, and I always say um, to committees who approach me with this problem, be prepared for it to get worse before it gets mm. better because yeah. once you start standing up to these people and you start doing things which you may not have done before, which is involving the police, which is issuing notices, having lawyers involved, um, you'll get some pushback. And yeah. I always say that's when you know you're on the right track. Yeah, um, exactly. it's, it's hard, I know, you're living there and I'm not and it is difficult to face that every day. But in my experience with similar buildings, it takes a while but these steps do get you to where you need to be in terms of having a secure, safe, happy community. Yeah, I think I think one thing, Amanda, that perhaps you didn't mention was if you're having any strata committees, the means that not to be held on site, but to be held perhaps in a room where there's a security guard or mm. cameras or somewhere outside the building so that yep. it probably makes it a bit harder for them to come to the meeting if they were so inclined to do so. Because now tenants can come to meetings yes, depending yes. on the composition of the actual um, percentage on the strata roll. So. Yeah, absolutely. And that's something that I have seen other buildings do really successfully hold meetings in different places that are not on site. I've held a mm. number of meetings in my own office and we have a mm. security building where I am. We do have cameras and mm. it just changing that the scenery can yeah. go a long a way yeah, to changing behaviour. Yep. Absolutely. Good tip. Well, thank you for that, Amanda. Thank you. No worries. Okay. Well, my challenge for this week, Rena. I have a lot of owner clients who are particularly frustrated with their strata manager at the moment because they feel that the strata manager is spending the owner's corporation's funds after only getting the instructions of a single committee member. So rather than receiving an instruction from the committee arising out of a committee meeting, for example, to have some gardening done, the strata manager gets an email from the chairperson who has been the chairperson for many, many years. The chairperson says, hey, I think we need to get some gardening done and the strata manager goes ahead and engages the gardener and the invoice comes and pays the bill. And my client who is the secretary on the committee says, where did this come from? I, I didn't know this was happening. These are owners' corporation funds and they are asking me, where's the line here? Where's the authority of the strata manager to act on the instruction of a single committee member. And the other fly in the ointment here is that these are amounts that are being spent that aren't even in the budget. So mm. um, there are things that are cropping up and the strata manager, as I said, is acting on instructions of one committee member and spending money that the owners corporation at its general meeting didn't even take into account might be spent throughout the year. So I'm not sure if you've seen this in your practice arena. Yeah, well, I've actually seen that happen more often than not because I think, unfortunately, the strata manager sometimes feels that like the meat in the sandwich in, mm. in terms of trying to manage the needs of particular types of personalities. And I think there's a misconception out there by managers and lot owners even and other committee members that the, the chairperson has a greater authority than any other committee member. And I think mm. that comes from the fact that in a company um, structure, that would be the case sometimes in companies a chairperson even has a casting vote, whereas in a strata scheme, the roles and responsibilities are clearly defined and that usually is just to chair a meeting and rule motions out of order if they are and obviously rule the results of any motions put forward at, at meetings. And I think in terms of strata managers, sometimes, you know, you don't get any answers from, let's say in this case, obviously it's not, not the case, but sometimes the chairperson may be the only person that really communicates with the manager and 
but the way that I've always managed is to email all the committee members and make sure that, you know, everyone is aware of what's happening and mm. make sure that the majority have provided instructions. And then that can, if it can't wait till the next meeting, then that is then ratified at the next meeting. The other mm. thing I've noticed now that I'm managing some smaller buildings compared to all the larger ones that I have managed and do manage now is that smaller buildings don't tend to meet very often. Mm-hmm. and have formal meetings. So a lot of things are done outside of meetings. And I think that's where there's a bit of a tendency not to follow the rules. And I think that if, it, if you're at a meeting and you put a motion, you wouldn't let just one person make the decision. Mm. Yet when it's general, you know, day-to-day things or things that aren't even day-to-day, and like you were saying, Amanda, unbudgeted, there seems to be a very different way of sort of accepting instructions and undertaking work. So mm. I think you'll find that happens more often than not. And I remember I was doing a joint presentation for SCA owners last year for the new act. And one of the greatest um, complaints that they receive at fair trading is schemes making decisions about having formal meetings. Yeah. That people just go off and do stuff and then, you know, it's never minuted, no one knows what's happening. And Mm. therefore owners find out that the AGM, like you were saying, that they've spent money it hasn't been budgeted for. Yeah, and I think strata managers are putting themselves in a really sticky situation there if they are taking instructions from a single committee member without there having been a meeting mm-hmm. or at least some consensus amongst the majority of committee members. You're really putting yourself at risk there. But having said that, I have had the experience where I've seen some strata managers have been delegated some authority to approve the expenditure of up to a certain amount. Now, I don't know if you do this, Reno, or um, have seen this no. done before, but where the strata manager has been authorised that if it's not going to cost more than, for example, $500, then the strata manager can simply arrange for it to be done. And whether that's something like a a lock on the door or a a plumber having a quick visit fixing something on the common property, then it doesn't need to go through the committee. Now, this is closely linked to the the building that I'm dealing with and the, the disgruntled lot owners. They did have that kind of a rule, but it was a very high sum, in my opinion, that it was $5,000. The strata oh. manager could spend wow. or could authorise the expenditure of up to $5,000. And I, when I saw that, I said, absolutely no way. That is far yeah. too high for a building. This is not a particularly large building. And you could see how that was being abused, maybe not intentionally, but it was a little bit too much leeway, I think, for the strata manager to have and and put them in a difficult position where they were making decisions that they really shouldn't have been making without reverting back to the committee. Yeah, but it sounds like I think in in the case that you're advising about, Amanda, that sometimes, you know, this could have been the suggestion of the chairperson so that he could have his stuff done when or she could have (laughs) had their stuff done. Because I've never seen a managing agent being provided a limit of of that uh, amount in any um, building that I've either overseen being managed or managed myself. It's just a high amount of money to allow a strata manager to have um, that sort of delegated authority. I mean, most managing agents, like you said, Amanda, may be given authority to spend up to a certain amount for minor repairs and, mm. and that, that may work for some buildings. Um, the way that I like to work is not to even have any amount really, just to basically pay any utilities and regular maintenance contracts if they fall within the specified contractual amounts. But other than that, because sometimes a small thing, you know, like a small little repair may end up costing a lot more than… yes what originally had been quoted and then after you've got to explain, you know, why it's gone over that 500 if that was the limit and I just find it's just really, you know, why put yourself in that position when, yep. you know, it's not, you know, the Ans Corporation's their building, 
they should manage it the way that they see fit and they should make the decisions. Yeah, absolutely. And with uh, the wonders of technology these days and, mm. you know, having uh, meetings in writing rather than in person, yes. the ability to do that, electronic meetings now, um, yeah. it's pretty easy to get the instructions that you need. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. So what's been going well for you, Rena? What's your win you'd like to share? Well, actually, this is actually quite a very complicated one, Amanda, that had arisen where a lot owner had approached me and they just bought into this new apartment block um, and they wanted to renovate the apartment and install floorboards. So they actually gave me a copy of their bylaws and originally the bylaws had said that, you know, there was a floor coverings bylaw, an old one saying that an odd owner must ensure that the floor space within lots covered to an extent not to cause any disturbance and that wouldn't apply to any um, floor space comprising a kitchen, laundry, lavatory or bathroom. Then a few years later, it was amended again. So that was number 17A and B. Then C and D were added to say that lot owner occupier must notify the owner's corporation at least 21 days before changing any floor coverings of the lot if it was going to cause any increase in noise. And they must specify the type of proposed flooring. And again, it does not fit any requirement under any bylaw to obtain consent for approval for authorizing or for changing the floor coverings. Then a few years later, again, then they added two more clauses, 17 E and F, saying that despite anything else in the bylaws of the strata scheme, the floor covering of a lot in the strata scheme must not be wooden floors of any description. So during this period of I think about six years, you know, people have put in floorboards. The owner had obviously at the time, you know, Googled other properties that were in that particular scheme showing, you know, for sale, showing on for rent that they did have floorboards. Mm-hmm. Now this particular person has been told that they can't. And pretty much the strata managers sort of, Again, listening to the voice of one person, I mean the chairperson, not even, and the chairperson has said that they won't even allow them to put a motion on the general meeting agenda to even submit. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's how far they're going. And right. basically, I had written quite a lengthy letter and pretty much told the strata manager, knowing that it obviously it was going through the chairman, because every time she'd respond, she'd say that the chairman was saying this and the chairman was saying that, that mm. pretty much like what you were saying, that one person mm. can't make the decisions. And, mm. and now she's finally agreed to allow the, um, proposal to go onto the general meeting agenda, I think under section, I think it's 110 now, Amanda, where minor renovations. Yes. um, And that does include floor. Yeah, hard floorings. Yeah. Yeah. Only need to be approved by ordinary resolution at a general meeting. And was that an extraordinary general meeting? So did the motion need to be requisitioned by making a qualified request? Yeah, so so basically we asked the secretary to convene the meeting on behalf of the lot owner and and obviously they're going to be paying for it. Yeah, Yeah. that's good. So, But I mean, they had even refused to to do that, which, you know, and if the owner's paying for it, I can't, I'm not as if there's any cost to the owner's corporation. And it's just, and I'm not sure if that bylaw really is a valid one when it has so many. Yeah, well, that's what causes. I want to. I want to go back to that. The source of this problem sounds to me like a mishmash of a bylaw. And yes. from what you were relaying there, Rena, it sounds like they've had the model bylaw about yep. flooring, and then they've added these clauses over time, rather than repealing and replacing with a fresh mm-hmm. bylaw. They've just tacked on, and the effect of that sounds like it's produced a, a very confusing bylaw law that mm. is possibly invalid on its face. Yeah, and, yeah. Well, and that's what I think, Amanda, mm. because of the fact that it, the first two clauses actually contradict, you know, the last mm. two clauses. And yeah, you can see when people don't engage lawyers or then they just try and do it themselves, what sort of trouble they get into. Yeah. Um, a lot of people think that, oh, it's only flooring, it's not a big deal and 
you don't need to get a lawyer involved for that or get yeah. a properly drafted bottle. But the problem is when people are spending like over a million dollars on an apartment, you know, and they've done searches and they can see that there's been flooring applications approved in, in meetings in the past. Mm. And now, you know, now the, there's been a change in part of the bylaw, as I say, which contradicts the, mm. the former clauses of the bylaw. And now they're not allowing them to actually even submit a motion. But mm. the win is, thank God, now they've actually agreed to it. Yeah. And a shame that this lot owner had to go to the extent of getting your advice, Rena, and no doubt going to that expense, yeah. uh, simply to exercise their right to have yeah. their application considered at a meeting. And of course, it's for the owner's corporation then to look at that application and decide yeah. whether or not they're going to permit the hard flooring, which is now considered minor works under the new Act. And that owner's corporation uh, would be well advised to, as part of their bylaw review, which perhaps they might mm. be doing before the 30th of November to have a look at that flooring bylaw and if hard flooring is a problem in that building then to regulate that properly and not in this sort of mishmash of approach. I think also, Amanda, I could see that there was a bit of a denial of natural justice. The person wasn't even allowed to have a voice in in any sense and again like this whole notion where there's a chairperson who thinks they can run the whole building Um, like you're saying in your former example of someone taking instructions of one person. This seems to be the case again where we don't believe that the committee actually has been consulted, rather just the chairperson has been consulted mm. in relation to this particular issue. So, Yep. So another trap there for our strata managers to mm. be aware of, for, for owners to understand what their rights are and uh, for committees as well to understand that owners have these rights and to make sure, as you say, Rena, everyone's afforded that natural justice and procedural fairness, as we say. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, we might just wrap up there. I've got a uh, uh, something nice to add, maybe not a, necessarily a win, but I wanted to draw everyone's attention to the fact that the City of Sydney Council's Smart Green Apartments Program is running once again. And this is a free program that City of Sydney Council provides. They choose 20 buildings each year to work with to reduce costs, energy costs in particular for buildings, increase their energy efficiency, um, reduce their water usage and improve their waste management. So they give some really great examples on their website of buildings, um, including a building that I think you were involved with, Rena. Yeah, the Bauhaus. (laughs) Yeah, and Gordon Strait, who's been on the podcast before, was um, involved in that as well. Applications are open until the 15th of September. So by the time this goes to air, I think you'll have a short amount of time to get your applications in if you want to be selected as a building to be part of that Smart Green Apartments program for City of Sydney. And I will include a link to the details for that in the show notes for this episode. All right. I think that is it from me this week, Rena. Anything else? No, all good, Amanda. Thank you for Fabulous. having me. Fabulous. Lovely to be back. Lovely to be chatting with you again. I shall yeah, see you Yeah, great to have you back, time. Amanda. <laughs> see you. Bye. Thank you for listening to Your Strata Property, the podcast which consistently delivers to property owners reliable and accurate information about their strata property. You can access all the information below this episode via the show notes at www.yourstrataproperty.com.au. You can also ask questions in the comments section, which Amanda will answer in her upcoming episodes. How can Amanda help you today?